Hello, everyone. This is John Otterstead for the Scarlet Nation podcast. Today, I am joined by our editor, Bobby Darren. He is the man behind much of what we do on this website. He's the author of a book. Um, Bobby, what is the name of that book? Which one? You got to be more specific. Oh, okay. So <laughs> you've written two books, but uh, the, the book on the uh, the draft. The draft season. Um, yeah, I've wrote a couple on that. I actually wrote a few for other people. My name doesn't appear on it, but, um, but uh, they're out there. Um, yeah, I thought I'd mix up the introduction this week and I totally messed it up because uh, two minutes ago I had draft season on my on the tip of my tongue but anyway <laughs> I read the the first one I thought it was was awesome and I thought I'd give you a little plug right there if anybody wants to read something else written by Bobby go check that out on Amazon but Bobby the team is on the field again this week and uh, just starting up gearing up for the first game of the season which is not too far from now and so I thought we'd do another one of our round table rundowns and just talk about the top topics that everyone's talking about right now. And of course, we have a lot to talk about, given the fact that uh, Coach Ash addressed the media just a couple days ago. And the team's also going to have their second official whole squad practice uh, coming up tomorrow. And uh, so let's just jump right into it. I want to start just by talking about something very simple, the new blackout uniform. Everyone's talking about that on the roundtable message board. I don't know about you, but every time I see these uniforms, they all look the same to me, but there's a lot of opinions on the message board. What do you think about it? I like the uniforms. You know, the the blackout uniforms traditionally haven't been the best of luck when Rutgers wore them, though. You remember the West Virginia game uh, some years back when uh, they were winning at half and, and they plowed the field, not not in uh, at Shiano's request, and I, I think he had a lot to say about that. And then the Michigan game last year was a blackout, so not the best um, history when it comes to wearing them, but they really look good. I think they should wear them a little bit more often. Uh, the players are excited about it. The fans are excited about it. It's something different. I, I think they're uh, the best ensemble of any of the white, red, or black uh, uniforms that we've seen thus far. I think they always look sharp. And I know one of the topics of conversation on the board right now is that night logo on the helmet or the the red block R. Do you have a preference between the two? I like them to switch it up. You know, I like when helmets are, are a little different week to week. I think they could go one week with the with the night, one week with the block R. Makes it fresh. And, and you know, the kids really like it. The players really like it. And I think the fans like it, too. So I've talked to, to people from Adidas, and they've said they can get as crazy as Rutgers wants with the uniform. So uh, there's no harm in mixing it up. I think it's a little bit of, uh, you know, different flavor each week is good. I really I don't get involved in any of the uniform conversations because people feel so strongly about it and I don't want to I don't I, I don't feel strongly about it. I liked it when they had some more of those out there type styles with the chrome helmets. I liked it when they had the traditional look back when say Mike Teal was playing. The only thing I my only real thought about it is that if the players like something a little bit more aggressive, if the fans like it, the younger fans, those the ones that we want to pull into the fan base, I'm all for that. But other than that, I don't really care. What do you think? You know, I, it's all about what the players like. You, you not you hit the nail right on the head, and a lot of it is directed towards recruiting. When kids come on visits now, these photo shoots are a big deal. And if you have a cool looking product, the kids really eat it up. So I never heard of someone committing to a school because of their uniforms, but every little bit helps. Well, let's get yeah you know, a little bit more onto the field right now. And Rutgers had some bad news on the injury front this week with Tyreek Williams going down. Um, 
Obviously, someone who played 11 games with six starts at strong side linebacker last year. He was a Big Ten all-freshman team member. Uh, that's by ESPN.com. A player I didn't really know much about coming into the season, but definitely um, really went above and beyond my expectations for him. Before we start talking about who can replace him, can you just talk to me a little bit about who he is and what he meant to this team? You know, he was a late pickup in Chris Ash's first class, and he kind of identified him early. There was a few guys that he was also, you know, jockeying for position with offers for. And, you know, they brought him in a solid Timber Creek program from South Jersey. This kid was was very raw when he came in. He was a great athlete, didn't have a huge amount of experience uh, on the field playing those positions, only played a couple years. Um, also had a good track times and, and good athleticism. So he was a kid that, that was just starting to scratch the surface of his potential. Very nice kid, too. Um, it's a shame the injury had to happen, but you know, it happened early enough in the career where he can get it healed up and he'll still have three more years of eligibility left. Uh, I think he's a, a definitely a solid late pickup for Rutgers. He was a Buffalo commit when Rutgers flipped him. Uh, it seemed like a lot of teams just overlooked him because he was one of those kids who was kind of a late bloomer in high school. You know, you mentioned that he was a Buffalo commit. And from my perspective, Rutgers is at the point right now, they are in the Big Ten. They have built a track record of winning. Now, let's not talk about the past couple of years, but we'll look through the Shiano tenure and even the early Kyle Flood tenure. Rutgers has really elevated its status in the Northeast. I think Rutgers should be doing what they did with Williams every single year with some of those teams like Buffalo, like Temple. I know Temple's actually picked a couple from that would Rutgers would have liked in recent years, but you know, this is the type of thing that you expect to happen in the opposite direction with a school like Penn State stuck coming in and perhaps taking a Rutgers commit or taking someone that Rutgers was hot after coming in late on that person and getting a late commitment with them. But I don't know, wouldn't you expect to see more of that in the coming years? I know in the past you saw it with Rutgers taking from those Division One AA schools. But how about those 1A schools that, you know, is, are a step or two below Rutgers? Yeah, I think they're going to, you know, build that brand and to the point where they can start, you know, taking people laterally. But it, it takes some some uh, equity built up. So Chris Ash is coming off a 2-10 and 10 season. He has to start showing progress. And when he starts to build a culture and, and – a toughness that the kids can really identify with and relate to, then I think he will be able to kind of steal a few more guys here and there. And it doesn't have to be from a Buffalo. It could be from, you know, an ACC school or something like that. It doesn't have to be a step down, but I think you have to build up that equity first. And it's def it can definitely happen. We've seen it happen before. I want him to go after as many people as he can. I, I think sometimes Rutgers, fans and and maybe some, perhaps sometimes even the past coaching staffs don't realize what they have here. And of course, that might be me looking through things with scarlet colored glasses, but I'd be more aggressive on the recruiting front, try to flip more people and uh, you know see, where it ha- see what happens. But anyway, let's get back to the linebacker core here. Let's talk about some of the players who are coming in this year. I'll give you a little background on them. You could talk a little bit about how you see them fitting in, if at all. Um, someone who's caught my eye is Saheem Simmons, five foot eleven, two hundred fourteen pounds, uh, formerly out of New Jersey, but moved down to Alabama. Finished out his high school career. Um, I remember reading that he kind of dreamt of playing for Alabama, and then that didn't work out. Or I'm not quite sure how that happened, but I uh, got that offer from Rutgers. Came up this way. 
He was two stars by Rivals.com, three stars by at least one other service. Um, he played in the offense, defense of All-American Bowl. So somebody who, you know, obviously is a, is a good player, has some potential. What do you think about him coming out Rutgers this year? You know, he's one of those guys that you look at and you say, wow, man, how did some schools pass him over? Uh, on the other side, I'm curious to see, you know, why did some of these schools pass him over? And I think that will start to show itself more with time. He might be a little undersized, uh, might need a little time to, to get a little stronger and acclimate to the college game, but definitely an intriguing prospect, uh, someone who could be a bit of a tweener between a linebacker and a safety. So I, I think you know, these next few weeks are really going to tell where he is in terms of being ready to play in in a game. Uh, although I think some of the guys are a little further along ahead of him physically in Tyshawn Fogg and Alakunle Fatukasi. I think that those two guys are definitely going to play. And, and it, depending upon how Simmons fares over these next two weeks, I, I think there is a chance for him to play. Chris Ash said he's going to play a lot of freshmen, and he, particularly at linebacker. Uh, the special teams issues has, has been glaring since he arrived, and a lot of times coaches will try and compensate for that by using linebackers in that role. And that's what I think Ash intends to do. So we could see quite a few freshman linebackers playing uh, all three of those guys. And, and CJ Onyechi might even get a chance to run down on special teams as well. So there is a possibility of all four of those guys playing before the season's end. Well, let's move on to Fogg right now. Six foot one, 240 pounds. When I looked back at his Ravels.com profile, we had him 25 pounds lighter. So apparently, since he hit the combine and camp circuit, he's definitely been bulking up. The 240 pounds is what Rutgers has on the official site. And I actually find that they do a pretty good job of putting those heights and weights down because you'll see them come down often, particularly in heights from what the kids have on their recruiting profiles initially. Anyway, he's four stars. He's out of Calvert Hall in Maryland, number seven prospect in Maryland, according to Rivals.com, and the number 21 offensive linebacker in the country. A lot of different offers coming out of high school someone who the fans are excited about. So what are you thinking so far? Obviously, you haven't seen him uh, practicing, but you've followed him a little bit in high school, seen his highlights. What are you thinking as he heads into his freshman season? You know, a big kid, physical kid, probably going to eventually be a middle linebacker. But with Deontay Roberts there, uh, there's some flexibility. If he can step out and play that strong side position, it really gives Rutgers an advantage. Uh, that will, remains to be seen, you know, if he's athletic enough to step out and play that outside position. Uh, if not, Fatu Kasi can step out there and do it as well. I, I think you have a lot of talent in both of those guys. And when you have that kind of talent, you have to get them on the field early. The The two deep was really, you know, it was kind of a guessing game last year at linebacker. When when starters would get hurt, you would just kind of throw guys into the mix. If you recall one game, uh, Trevor Morris was had the flu and sat out the first quarter, but his replacement was, was you know, it just wasn't happening. So he, he jumped in and played the rest of the game with the flu, played a lot of the year on one foot when he probably should have been sitting. But there was just no depth. Now you bring in these freshman linebackers, and it creates a lot more depth at the position. I think you're going to see those guys fill out those roles where they are now. Uh, that will be decided in the next two weeks in terms of position and, and where they fit best. I think overall, Fogg becomes your eventual middle linebacker. But as long as Roberts uh, is playing at a high level, he's not going to unseat him just yet. Now, for those who might not be familiar, I want to also just give a little bit of a background on Fadakasi. Six foot one, 230 pounds at a Grand Street campus, New York. Interesting, we have 
three different players here that we're talking about right now, and all three of them are from different states, and uh, which is, I think, a growing trend with the Ash regime looking for players in different places. But anyway, um, Grand Street Campus, New York, three stars, number seven prospect in New York. Uh, what do you know about him? Very athletic guy, um, strong as well, just, you know, really good linebacker, Has can do a, a little bit of everything. I'm interested to see how he performs in these next two weeks and how he acclimates as well. I think there's going to be some there's plenty of opportunities for him, especially now that you see a guy like uh, Tyreek Williams go down. They have Ross Douglas stepping into that role, but a converted safety who never really quite uh, you know clicked at, the, at this level is a four-star coming out of high school. But I could see him unseating uh, – Douglas for that spot and, and actually starting. Uh, I'm interested to see how he fares in scrimmages in the next few weeks and and how he adjusts to, to the to the speed of the game because that's another thing you have to realize with some of these freshmen is they're playing linebacker where you're thinking scheme you're, you're trying to be in the right place and you're also dealing with the upgrade in, in the speed of the game the physicality of it it's a lot to throw at these kids right away so that's why i think some of these linebackers will take a little bit of time to to adjust and you're not going to see them starting right away but as they acclimate over these next few weeks and even over the first few weeks of the season you could really see guys start to elevate their game and get used to the college game and if you go back to Steve Boharness he didn't start the season as a, as a freshman but ended the season on a very high note and I think that transition through the first part of the season was very important in his development and could be the same with these other freshmen that are here now. Yeah, I was going to mention Boharness. You took that away from me. Hey, let's get talking about quarterbacks right now because that might even be the hottest topic of conversation on the round table right now. And it's way too early to really pick who's going to end up starting. But, um, you know, one of the things people were talking about was Ash, you know, naming Geo, I guess, I don't, giving him the first reps. But I guess there was a quote there that might have been misinterpreted by some of the fans on the message board thinking that he was named the starter. And that wasn't the case. But um, do you take anything from Geo getting those first reps? Well, he started last season. He's a guy that's been there for four years. As a head coach, you can't just come in and hand Kyle Bolin the ball and say, this is your show. He's got to win the spot. Um, Geo deserves to start. He ended last season, started the last five games, I believe. And he deserves the, the right to go out there and run it with the first team. Now, will he finish it? is the first team that remains to be seen but I think as a coach you have to kind of go out there and reward the guy who's been here and the guy who's done it and you know it's still a competition so whoever gets the first reps on the first day it's more semantics than anything that competition is going to even itself out over the next couple of weeks I wanted to read a quote from Chris Ash about Bolin, just because he's obviously the big topic of conversation these days unfortunately I feel bad that Geo is getting uh I guess, left out of the conversation right now because Rutgers fans have that tendency, and I admit I do the same thing. You're out with the old, in with the new, um, unless the team is on a high winning streak. Um, obviously, the best guy is always the guy who's waiting on the bench to come back in. But um, about Bowl, and this is what Ash said, quote, he's a really good kid. He's intelligent. He's mature, loves the game of football. As far as his ceiling, I couldn't even tell you. We've been out there with him for three days with just helmets and balls. Until they put the full pads on and there's a chance that he can get hit, that's when you really evaluate, guys. But I can tell you he's a great individual, tremendous worker, very intelligent. He's got great leadership skills. I can tell you that for sure. And he went on and talked a little bit more, but that's the general gist of it. So I guess that's Ash being as diplomatic as he can, saying some nice things, but 
obviously doesn't want to give away too much right now because there probably isn't much to give away <laughs> given the fact that it's so early in the practice season here. Well, you know, one thing I've learned in the last decade is you have to read between the lines what some of these coaches say because a lot of football coaches, not just Ash, but pretty much most football coaches consider everything to be top secret classified information. Uh, they don't want to let anything out. It's it's almost kind of amusing at times how secretive they are about things. But you you hear some things in there that, that really sends a ringing endorsement for Bolin and he's been watching him over the summer I mean Ash has a, has a mindset and all coaches do of, of what's going to happen now these players can decide it with their play on the field but I, I think they have a general idea of which direction they're going to go they're not just walking into camp going wow I, I don't know who's going to start they have an idea but um, he's not going to come out and tell us anything about it so I think these next couple of weeks when he talks about these quarterbacks uh, it, it Try and read between the lines or listen uh, between them, between the words, I should say, because you might find a, a little nugget or two in there. Right. Speaking of reading between the lines, I was curious when Ash was talking about injuries because he was kind of uh, painting a, a somewhat rosy picture of um, the injury situation, although I've heard some scuttlebutt that that might not be the case, that there might be a couple more injuries, a couple more guys dinged up than perhaps he was alluding to. Uh, you know, how do you feel that this team is right now, based upon what you do know or what's been stated publicly? Uh, how do you feel the team is doing compared to the past few years? It's pretty similar to what you walk into the summer with because they prepare guys pretty well. You know, if there's any off-season cleanups, they'll hold guys out of spring ball. For instance, Jerome Washington needed some shoulder shoulder cleanup, and he was held out of the spring. He's ready to go now. So it's not so much now, I think, the injury issue. How do they get through camp? If you can get through camp without any major injuries, um, you really consider it successful. I, I think he should really ask, and I think he's going to be really careful with how much contact they do have because he had to limp through last season with a lot of guys banged up. Part of the special teams problem was you're playing walk-ons who probably would not play for a Big Ten team in a situation where there was depth and 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 the other guys weren't as banged up as they were. So I think he's going to be very careful in, in the amount of contact and be careful not to get too many guys banged up going into the season because they're really going to need that depth uh, throughout the Big Ten schedule. Yeah, speaking of depth, I found it curious that Ash brought in the freshman a couple days early. That seems like something new to me. Is that something that's new to you too, or has that been done in the past with previous uh, Rutgers regimes? Uh, neither Shiano or Flood did that in the past. This is new. I, I think it's a good idea because freshmen are so wide-eyed during that first week of camp that anything to get them settled in will really help. And I think the fact that Rutgers is going to have to play a lot of freshmen this year, that can only be to their advantage because uh, it, it's almost kind of funny watching freshmen during the first week of camp over the years. I can remember certain guys just – you know, sitting there with this exasperated look after practice, like, what did I get myself into? So the more they can acclimate them, the better. Yeah. Um, this is what Ash had to say about bringing those guys in early. Quote, been really impressed with the new players and how they handle their business. We brought the new players in a couple of days early, so we've been working with them the last couple of days before the full team went today. It was very beneficial. Got to know a lot about them, too. So that's the end of the quote there. If it's good enough for Ash, it's good enough for me. And I thought it was a good idea. Uh, like you said, a lot of players are going to be seeing the field this year that might not have seen the field 
if the team had a little bit more depth and any opportunity he gets to bring them along slowly, get a closer look at them, that can only be better for the team down the line. Yeah. And, you know, once again, read between the lines on his quotes that, but that tells me what the quote you just read from him is you're going to see a lot of freshmen on the field this year. Yep. Well, speaking of the field, practice field, new practice field, I know you've been seeing some pictures and getting some sneak peeks along the way. What do you think of it? It's nice. You know, I didn't expect to, to turn out as nicely as it did. I thought they were just going to throw some fields together. They have the, the what do you call that, when you walk in, the, the, the bricks, and the, it's like an entrance to a stadium almost. It's, uh, it's looking really good, and I'm going to be up there Sunday for the unveiling. So uh, I, I was impressed. I didn't think they would do as good a job as they've done with it. I'm hoping to get some of the uh, people from the athletic development office, perhaps some of the donors on to the podcast in the near future. I want to talk about what the vision is for the future and what Rutgers wants to bring once it has some more money. In fact, they're doing pretty well, given the fact that there isn't much money to go around right now. So when that Big Ten revenue comes, uh, obviously things are only going to improve from there. I thought a quote that Ash said the other day at the press conference, you know, it resonated with me where he said, quote, it's everything because it shows commitment. And that commitment, and that was the end of the quote there, the commitment to me is something that has not been consistently shown across the athletic department, more so with football, but definitely, which was my first love, basketball. If you look past the past 20 years, my freshman year was the last year that Rutgers went to an NCAA tournament. There has not been that commitment. And Ash talked about it. He said how important it is. You have to show you're moving forward. You have to show the recruits. You have to show the fans. And it's been tough following this basketball program when you don't see that. And now you're starting to see it. And that's exciting. But I wanted to just get your thoughts on where that basketball program is. Is it making the, the changes that it can, you know, it needs to make in order to attract the top level talent and where they have to go from here? I think it is. I think, you know, part of that has to do with Pat Hobbs' commitment to the to the sports programs as well. He's just I think he's just significantly more qualified than many of his predecessors. And he brought in Steve Peichel, who is a great coach. I mean, he did so much with so little talent last year. People might look at the record and say, well, they only won a few Big Ten games. But he got these guys to play tough. He got the most out of his players. And when he starts getting some talent, I I think the program could really go through the roof. Uh, I think it starts at the top with leadership. Uh, You have to give credit to Pat Hobbs for that and and Peichel for, for being able to sell the product when you know, there's not the best product to sell. I mean, if they're in the finals for Montez Mathis, who's, you know, delaying his decision. But in the past, I've never seen uh, one of the previous coaches do as well so quickly with, with some top-notch recruits. Now, Fred Hill brought in a couple decent, and uh, Mike Rice as well, but it, it, they just didn't bring out the best in the players like I've seen Pike will do uh, this past year. So actually, they did have some big-time recruits, so I, I don't want to demean uh, the fact that none of them ever came here. But I just think Pike is just building a great brand as a basketball coach and then looking up to Pat Hobbs for giving them a little more direction in terms of facilities and future. Um, you know, Steve Pike said that he had to walk – his recruits kind of sneak them past the weight room before they, they just got that new one because, you know, it was, it just wasn't up to par with the rest of the Big Ten. So I think they're definitely moving in the right direction. And I think it, like I said, starts at the top with the leadership. Pat Hobbs and Steve Peichel are doing a great job at resurrecting that basketball program. Yeah. When that Big Ten money comes in, I want to see it directed right at that basketball program. You need 
just a couple top players to turn a basketball program around. I remember sitting in the stands back in the early 90s when UMass comes to town and led by one player, they made it to the national champion, uh, national championship. They made it to the number one ranking in the, the country at that time. And you know, with a nice supporting cast, but that's what it takes. You need one big guy to turn things around and with the right facilities, the right coach, which I think Rutgers has right now, I truly believe that it's going to happen. So come on, Rutgers administrators, throw more money at that basketball program and give these fans something to talk about. Yeah. And I think they're on a faster track towards success than football, just because you said the numbers game and in basketball, you can get a couple stars and then surround them with role players. You know, the best teams I've ever played on were guys that had those garbage players down low that were the glue guys that held it together for the flashy scorers and the, and the big men. So I, I think he does a good job of fitting those roles, but again, he's got to get some guys that are you know, those star quality caliber players and, you know, the big time shooters and whatnot. But I I think things are trending very well for the basketball program. All right. Well, let's uh, take a little bit of trip back to the football side right now. We'll talk more basketball in the coming weeks because I know some fans have asked for it. So we'll bring Brian Kelly online and we'll bring some other people. So stay, stay with us, right, folks. If you're a basketball fan, we'll talk some more hoops coming up. But uh, back on the football side, um, when I look at these running backs, I can't help but be excited because I remember some years of the not-so-distant past when you weren't quite sure who was going to get the carries because there weren't players that really jumped out at you. And right now you have players like Martin and Hicks who have done it before. Um, you have Sneed, you have Snorway, you have Edwards. Edwards, which is the – he is the Miami transfer. Hey, Bobby, I might just be, once again – hey, I have the scarlet-colored glasses on, but I feel like with that group – all three-star and above players, if I recall. Someone is going to emerge, I feel, as a top-level running back. What do you think about that? I think it's great to have depth at the position. I've never seen the depth. Like you said, Rutgers was always one or two guys at the running back position. And beyond that, you know, it was kind of a guessing game. Uh, Also, I didn't want to leave out Raheem Blackshear of that mix, too, who I think is going to show some things this year. But in a situation like that, if one guy's not working or one guy's banged up, you can turn to another one and kind of ride the hot hand. Um, I think that it's great to have options at that position. I mean, those guys take a beating. So the guy that you're playing for the first six games might not be as effective in game seven. Well, hey, you don't have to give him 20 carries in game seven. Turn around, give another guy those carries, and and give him some time to rest. Give him five, six carries. So when you have that kind of uh, versatility and the ability to change change up guys like that, I think it's only a bonus, and you can never be too deep at the running back position. Well, let's talk about Blackshear first. Five foot nine, one seventy, about three star recruit. How do you see him fitting into the uh, the offense this year? You know, he's not a guy that's going to go between the tackles. He's not a huge guy, but he's a guy. If you get him in space, he can make a lot of people miss. Has that quickness, that that kind of electric moves that that can you know make a guy miss, make the crowd go ooh and ah, break a guy's ankles, and then take the take the uh, ball to the house. So. I think he really gives them a different element out of the backfield. Last year, Rutgers really didn't have those playmakers. Janarian uh, Grant went down, and it was kind of, all right, what are we going to do? This year, there's a few more guys on that offense that can make plays in the open field. And a guy like Blackshire, I think, is going to get some touches this year to see what he can do. All right, let's talk about Robert Martin. 
Um, he's a senior, five foot eleven, two hundred twelve pounds, former three star with a bunch of Power Five offers. He played in ten games with six starts last year. Led the team with six hundred twenty five yards on one hundred twenty one carries. Um, ranked sixth in the Big Ten with five point one seven yards per carry. What do you think about him? I like Robert Martin, you know, but he's battled injuries, not crazy injuries, but minor ones that nagged him. Even started training camp in a green jersey. Ash kind of was standoffish a little bit when asked about it. But, you know, you can't help but look at his history and say, this guy's, you know, still trying to shake off another injury bug. The good news is you can let him sit down and shake that off and put these other guys in there. When when Martin is is hundred percent healthy. I think he's a tough downhill runner between the tackles. He's a guy that can get his shoulders squared and really pound the pound the ball. And it, and you know when he gets out in the open field, uh, makes you know gets through the line. Uh, as you've seen in the past, he can make a lot of long runs. So I think if you get him hundred percent healthy, you have him completely locked in and dialed in. I think he could definitely be a force. Then you have Josh Hicks, another player who's seen some time for Rutgers. Five foot ten, also a senior. 210 pounds, once again, former three-star player. He was the number 42 running back in the country as rated by Rivals.com. He uh, played seven games last year, two starts, rushed 45 times for 157 yards. Actually had a bigger year, if I recall, his sophomore year. Um, looking over here, 674 yards. Uh, you know what? It, I guess last year he was a little bit of a forgotten man at times. Can you talk a little bit about that? Well, he had some off-the-field issues that kind of hindered him. Uh, had a lot going on in his personal life. And it, last year was really kind of a wash for Josh. I, I don't think he was used correctly, though. Uh, Drew Merringer was using him on jet sweeps around the end, and that's not really uh, playing to his strength. You know, he's a guy that, that also is really good when he gets his shoulders squared, can punish some guys. It was the biggest back they had last year, and, you know, they're trying to run him on jet sweeps, for which is more for a guy like Blackshear. So I, I just think he wasn't utilized correctly. Last year was just a bad year from an offensive perspective. Uh, you go down the board from the coaching to the performance to the – I mean, it, it was just – it's one of those years where you say, let's lock that year up and, and forget about it. So um, I, I think if Josh gets a chance to play to his strengths in this offense, he could be effective, but he was just misused last year. Now, if you had Martin and Hicks at their best, so think back to the past couple of years when you saw both of those players at full steam, who would you start? I would say Robert Martin. All right. So now let's move to some of the, the younger guys. We got a sophomore, Trey Sneed, five foot ten, two hundred fourteen pounds. All these guys, according to the roster, are all about the same size: five ten, five eleven, two twelve, or around that. Once again, a three star player out of high school. Played twelve games last year. Rushed fifty three yards on sixteen carries. Also had a few kickoff returns. What can we expect for him on the field? I still think Trey's a little farther down in the pecking order. Um, I like Trey, tough kid, nice kid, hardworking kid. Um, I still think he's in the developmental stage as far as running back goes. So much is going on. I, I mentioned this earlier, you know, with freshmen. And even on offense, you know, when he's coming through the holes, he's thinking, trying to, you know, figure out where he's going. It, it, there's so many things going through a running back's head at that point. So um, I, I think this year he's kind of going to be on the outside looking in at, at those veteran players. But I'm interested to see how he develops. All right. Charles Snorway, 5'10", 178. So he's a little lighter pound-wise. Another three-star player. Mainly just played special teams last year. Any thoughts on him? 
Five ten might be a little generous. Charles is a little on the smaller side, fast, but uh, you know I haven't seen the 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 play out of him to say, wow, he's really going to be an effective force. I mentioned a guy like Blackshear, and, and I think he'll have an edge over Snorway heading into the season. Now, the one guy everyone's talking about right now, and this once again goes back to the old, you know, the most popular guy is the one sitting on the bench, but redshirt senior transfer. Gus Edwards comes in from Miami, has one year to play at Rutgers. He's six foot one, 235 pounds. Now that's considerably larger than the other gentleman we were just talking about. Former three-star out of Tottenville, New York. Uh, once again, I said he came to the Scarlet Knights from University of Miami. He was a three-star player with what I felt was a four-star offer list. A lot of power five schools offered him. He was rated the number one fullback in the country by Rivals.com coming out of high school. Um, his redshirt junior year, he saw action in 11 games and made one start, totaling 290 rushing yards on 59 carries, averaging 4.9 per attempt. His best year was his sophomore year at Miami, where he saw action in 12 games, 349 yards, 61 carries, six touchdowns, and averaged 5.7 yards per rush. Well, moving on out over to Rutgers right now, he has some guys who have experience ahead of him, or at least experience at Rutgers, does Gus come right in and uh, see the field? And, and what do you expect for him? That remains to be seen. I mean, the biggest of the backs now, I, I think there's going to be a place for him because of his size. He should be a guy that can go up the gut and, and really get some tough yards. Uh, he's going to have to do it on the field. I, I don't have enough of a font of knowledge of seeing him in person to, to say, yes, he's going to beat out these guys. But the staff wouldn't have brought him in if they didn't feel confident in the fact that he could contribute this year. Like I said, there was some issues with Hicks last year, and even Martin had some issues. So the staff went into the offseason saying, look, we need to solidify this position. And let's not forget that Justin Goodwin finished the year as the starter last last season. So in the coach's mind, they said, we need to find a new starting running back. The coaches weren't here when Robert Martin and Josh Hicks had those big games as freshmen and sophomores. So they're looking at it like we need to bring in somebody. Now, how will that affect this competition over the next couple of weeks? That remains to be seen. But Gus is definitely a big kid. I was impressed with, with his size when I saw him on Monday. And um, I'm curious to see how he, he fares in competition. Uh, you mentioned some of his stats, and I, I think some of his earlier stats came maybe in the latter part of games when he wasn't facing the first-team defense. But, you know, the staff wouldn't have brought him in if they didn't think he could help. And staff definitely like their own guys when they come in. Not, not that they're just going to marginalize the players who were there, but these guys, these are not guys that Ash recruited. Edwards is a guy that Ash went out and got. So you have to keep that in mind as well. Well, you'll be heading back down tomorrow. The second practice that the media are allowed to uh, attend will be tomorrow. Is there anything that you're going to be looking for, things you're hoping to either see or hear out of the players' mouths or out of the mouth of the coaching staff? You know, out of all the years I've been going to camp, one thing I just try and keep my eyes open because you really never know what you're going to see. And uh, I'll, I'll just be keeping a close eye on everyone. And, and now that they're starting to hit and it's starting to get revved up a bit, there'll be a lot more to see. When you come out in shells and, and shoulder pads and helmets, just, you know, it's there's just not, it's like watching the guys work out. You know, how much can you really tell what your offensive lineman can do when there's no, nobody has pads on? So, um, we'll definitely be looking at the physicality, how the quarterbacks particularly perform i mean i think it's going to be a close eye on every every throw they make how the reps are divvied up 
you also have to look at who's out there in those green jerseys, who's getting dinged up, uh, who's stepping in, and, and who's really, you know, taking the opportunity. Uh, for example, when Marcus Applefield was out in the spring, Zach Vineski started to step up his game, and what looked to be Applefield's starting right guard position suddenly became a competition, uh, a much closer competition, I should say, for the summer. So things like that will be looking at as well. And I'm always interested in seeing how the freshmen adjust during the, the first couple weeks of camp. So I'll definitely have an eye on them as well. You mentioned Vineski. I loved his high school highlight tape. Talk about a guy who has a motor. If it translates to the next level, he's going to be a fun player to watch. Yeah, and he's a tough kid. I mean, he took boxing his whole life, and it's just just one of those kids in the trenches that isn't afraid to get hit in the face. And you know, I always say over the course of a game, it's not the guys, even the guys who get hit hard, they're coming back at you every single play. Those are the guys you really have to worry about. You know, he can go in there, take a beating, and 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 smile at you, so to speak. So he's a tough kid. He he even wrestled the, the last part of his high, his high school career. That helped him as well. And, and I think he's just one of those kids that's just a tough, hard nosed player. And guys like that are always going to find their way onto the field. Well, Bobby, I look forward to hearing what you have to say following tomorrow's practice. I want to invite everyone who's listening right now, if you're not a member of scarletnation.com, if you would like to just join us with a free account, sign up, participate on our free message board, the Rutgers football board, the Rutgers basketball board. If you'd like to take a step closer to the program and spend some more time with Bobby, Richie, Sean, myself, the other members of the staff, join up for our premium selection, which is called the round table. That's a message board you can join. It gives you complete access, not only to the premium message board, but also all the articles on the front page. And perhaps the best part about it is you get to interact with the staff, our staff, our site staff, ask questions, influence what we do here on the podcast, what we do with our newsletters, with our content, the questions that we ask to the coaching staff when we're on the campus. I think it's a great deal. In fact, we're going to offer free access right through to the first game. You get an extended free trial if you use Rutgers 2017 the access code. So when you try to sign up, you can use a promo code, put Rutgers2017 all together in there, and you'll get that extended free trial. Well, Bobby, thank you so much. Glad we got back on here talking to you. And uh, I will see you on the message board tomorrow. Sounds good. Thanks, John. 